Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. As you come to expect, another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Win or lose, rain or shine, Nick. You can count on us to be here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're not going to run away from a, a pretty terrible result on, on Saturday. And uh, luckily, Brandon, we have we have an expert here who is at the ground who can kind of give us most of the insight that we need as to why Chelsea played so bad. It's true. Unfortunately, we don't have Dan with us, but we have Chelsea's correspondent from Goal.com, Nisar Kinsella. What up, Naz? Hi guys, great to be back on your pod. It's uh, it's been a couple couple months or so, but uh, we did get to catch up when we were last in London again. It's always a good time to catch up with Naz. He's uh, for some reason apparently likes us, and so he's always a good not, time to chat. Not to. sure why, not <laughs> sure why at all. But, but yeah, it's great to have you back on, Naz. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it was great to see you in London, and uh, you know, experiencing the live atmosphere. It was, it was. You picked some good games, I think. Yeah, you know, if 
for the most part, you got Champions League and you got a good result against Newcastle in the league. It's not too much you can ask for beyond that. Uh, real quick, though, we did have some iTunes reviews, so filling in for Dan, I'll take this one. We've got Caleb Messer, Nova1997, Kais Hotzeel from Germany. Shout out. Apologize for butchering that. Uh, and Nafelmap, I think maybe from <laughs> South Germany as well. Uh, South Africa, Eric underscore SA. Thank you guys so, so much. Obviously, we give shout outs to five-star reviews in the iTunes store if you'd like one. Uh, Nick, we have a new Patreon member, uh, very special friend of the pond, friend of the pod on the other pod. side of the pond. <laughs> Tongue twisters. Uh, yeah. Uh, our boy, our boy Dane, uh, who uh, we met in, in London and who has been uh, a really ardent follower of ours for a couple of years, uh, is a, a high-level uh, donation so he donated five bucks and uh and certainly brandon that's fantastic now he just kind of has to pick who he wants uh for his postcard right it's exactly it if you uh donate that level we give you a handwritten thank you card back in response uh but right off the bat i mean not the result obviously couple tweets instagram i ate buffalo wing says why <laughs> And then Nivarp on Facebook saying, questions? What questions? Let us all hide under a blanket until the next game after this abysmal performance. Nick, hopefully you have your favorite blanket ready to go. No, no blankets needed. We're just going to talk through it. I mean, if you think back to a couple of years ago, we potted after almost every terrible match. So this is this is nothing, Brandon. We, we have this on lock. It's true, Naz. I mean, kind of from your perspective compared to other you know, results from Chelsea this season, probably our worst, don't you think? Well, Burnley at home was pretty bad. Um, obviously, Crystal Palace. Palace, yeah. It reminded me a lot of the Palace game, the uh, West Ham game did, because uh, I think West Ham were in the worst form in the Premier League, no win in seven, um, and Palace obviously hadn't scored a goal, Were uh, lost every game, I think, uh, uh, before they played Chelsea, and they ended up beating Chelsea, and West Ham so badly out of form and they uh, pull off a great result from their perspective and uh, they were very good on the day. I mean, we we will we will dig into Chelsea's poor performance, but uh, Chelsea, a little bit unlucky that uh, they West Ham were really at it and really up for it and uh, they started so well, which was just a killer, wasn't it? I think them getting so close to getting a result against City earlier, uh, that gave them confidence to come into this match, unfortunately, which is ridiculous because Moyes has that team set up just in an absolute block. But let's go ahead and dive into it real quick, though. Shout out to World Soccer Shop, as always. Uh, Nick, they hooked us up with the Champions League apparel for our trip to London. We did some photos. A ton of fun, though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fun as uh, as fun as it could have been, and certainly uh, the European Knights kind of outfit that we we uh, had them put together for us was awesome. So we'd encourage you to go to WorldSoccerShop.com, uh, find those items. Uh, hopefully, you look better in them than uh, than I do, and uh, and yeah, that's a that's a pretty solid uh, gift giving idea, Brandon. I mean, the pro tip on sizing is these clothes are made for the players, so like the training pants, they fit pretty snug. They're snug, yeah. <laughs> Great for They're running really around in training, maybe not out and about on a Saturday running errands. Yeah. Keep that in so, mind. So, yeah, worldsoccershop.com, hit it up. Let's dive in. All right. In case you missed it, 
The last match was West Ham United Premier League Olympic Stadium this past Saturday, December 9th. Blues 0, completely shut out. Hammers 1. Um, we didn't have any correct score predictions, but maybe this counts. We had a comment in that thread on Facebook from Jose Pep saying, if Bakayoko will be in the squad, then that is a direct loss. Uh, that's that's a bit of a hot take, wow. Naz. I mean, yeah. I know he hasn't been up to par, but Bakayoko doesn't equal loss. No, it's, it's, it, it is harsh, but I think that a lot of fans are growing frustrated with his performances. Uh, I don't think he was as bad as he was against Liverpool, for example, where Chelsea managed actually a decent result at Anfield, but Bakayoko just stood out as being so poor. Um, in the London Stadium, he subbed off after 45 minutes. Um, you know, he has been poor for a number of weeks. He started well and his form's dipped. Um, but I think it's too early to write off a 23-year-old midfielder, a guy who's just moved to England. He moved here with an injury. Um, he's playing for a bigger team now. Um, there's going to be teething problems with a certain number of signings. £40 million doesn't guarantee you that a player is not going to suffer these days in the early stages of his career at a club. So, um, you know, he doesn't speak English particularly uh, at all. So, um, you know, he might have teething problems in the rest of his life in, in this country. So um, I think that... It's not too much of a surprise. I think that almost Chelsea have uh, sold Matic and brought in Bakayoko. They've taken one step back in doing that, but uh, I think that they're hoping that they can take two steps forward and have a midfielder who can become world-class. But um, uh, certainly there's a certain group of Chelsea fans that are a little bit impatient with his performances and you know, you can understand why he's not been great. Um, but we, I think we can wait and see, have a bit of patience on him. And uh, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to murder a player, you know, at this stage of his career. It's too early. Maybe, maybe come at the end of the season, and he's still been rubbish. Then that'd be the time to say what a terrible signing. But it's too early for me. Yeah, well, and I think Frank Lampard even said this after the Atletico Madrid game, um, and you know, we didn't obviously pot after that, but uh, he just said that his his uh, mentality isn't necessarily right. Like physical acumen is is one thing but like the mentality that Lambert was talking about is that he just switches off for for portions of the game and you can tell that pretty easily i mean i don't think that's any sort of uh prophetic statement from from Lampard but um i think you know when you when you watch him and you watch his positioning around the pitch and you watch you know sometimes his man marking he just gets lost um and that that to me is probably what fans are most upset with i mean it's you know, maybe a little bit of the shooting, <laughs> shooting is well branded, but uh, I think it's probably mostly uh, mentality. Well, I think that we've seen from other players coming from league on to the Premier League, it's much more intense. You can't take breaks like maybe you can over there, and so there's an adjustment period. Uh, I usually jump to Bakayoko's defense for the most part because I think that his potential is massive. Um, but Chelsea, as we've seen from other players don't have time to let players adjust. They're thrown into the deep end right away. Um, but with that being said, that does kind of lead us into the lineup. Chelsea to a 3-5-1-1 again. Courtois in goal. And then you had Aspilicata, Christensen, Cahill, back three. Davide Zappacosta and Marcus Alonso's wingbacks, so no Moses this time. Uh, midfield three, Fabregas, Conte, Bakioko, and Hazard Morata up top. Any real surprises, Naz, when you guys saw this come out? I mean, really the only change, I suppose, is that Moses isn't ready to play back-to-back back matches in a few days. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, that was probably the one sort of you know not full strength uh, part of the lineup, but it was really strong lineup, and I thought that you know Chelsea might actually rotate a few more players because I actually think that the Huddersfield game on paper was potentially more difficult than the West Ham game, but. Um, yeah, they went in really strong, uh, determined to win it, um, almost showing a decent amount of respect to West Ham as well because, um, you know, having that packing that midfield with three three players was uh, was quite sort of, you know, I think that formation has been working, it's been quite solid, but uh, it's not the most attacking formation Chelsea could have gone with. Uh, but yeah, Zappa Costa's really the only big surprise, maybe just the fact that, um, you know, Murata was supposed to be having a, an illness, a cold, uh, just a, a normal common cold, uh, and he was in the lineup. And I thought that they might ha- they might be forced to put Hazard up front or or play with Mitchy up front. Um, but no, they they let uh, Murata play, and he didn't look great. He didn't look that didn't look that well. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think if Drinkwater is fit, he probably starts. But apparently, uh, he has now kind of had a regression one of uh, in that area anyway. So I think. You know, Bakayoko was probably dead to right uh, to start. And, you know, as the game went on and, and you saw the formation change, Brandon, to me, uh, the, we looked a little bit more fluid uh, as William and, and Pedro came on, but uh, not enough. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the goal here and, and kind of how West Ham set up after that goal. But it was just a very challenging day for Chelsea to do anything in the, in the final third. For sure. West Ham on paper went a 3-4-2-1. Realistically, it was a 3-6-1. Um, a lot of players behind the ball. Chelsea with almost 70% possession. That just kind of tells you how it was. But no real surprise, I don't think, uh, you know, for many of us going to this match. West Ham did the same thing from the start against Man City. Um, we had a tweet from Phil Edwards uh, from Australia. He says, cheers, lads. We'll be leaving a review if you get the ones from Aussie iTunes store and says, why didn't we start with a more attacking side against a team that is at best a mid-table team? They kind of talked about that. Uh, we're going to preview kind of some system decisions that were made a little bit. Uh, I'd like to bring up the 3-4-3. But unfortunately, the only goal of the match is in the sixth minute. Marko Arnautovic, simple give and go, one-two pass with Lanzini at the top of the box. Uh, he had a ton of space and just bent it into the far post of, of the goal. Courtois had no chance. Great finish side netting. Not what you wanted to see, Dan, or Nick. Wow, apologize. Habits, I'm not old, old habits die hard. Um, but you knew from that point, West Ham, we're just going to completely bunker in. We gave up a goal that early. The worst case scenario. Yeah, I mean this. This was entirely the worst case scenario, and it's probably the theme of the show today. Honestly, is uh, this is David Moyes' strategy for this team? They don't have enough to really go after teams uh, in their current state. So what they're trying to do is get an early goal and then it play a, play a one nine one formation Naz, where you basically have a goalkeeper, nine defenders behind the ball, and and a forward to maybe release a little bit of pressure, but it was impossible with 10 in the box for Chelsea to find any sort of joy after that. Well, yeah, but uh, City found a way through and Chelsea didn't, so I think that's that's probably why we're seeing City so far ahead of the in the table, because when teams do that to Man City, they're kind of more patient, they're better in possession, they uh, don't rush 
like crosses or long range shots they try to work proper clear cut openings and Chelsea uh, you know I think Chelsea are better without the ball you know last season it was all about energy uh, you know overwhelming teams really and uh, and playing with plenty of width um, but they, but you know in this sort of game I don't think they they didn't did quite enough to break them down of course they had 19 shots and of course they dominated possession West Ham were happy to give the ball uh, you know to Chelsea and just see what they could do sort of thing but I thought West Ham did have an element of threat on the break. Uh, I thought that their front men were very good. I think Chelsea are very unlucky because Marko Arnautovic, he's one of these players who is uh, only ever good like one in four games, but in that one game he's exceptional and he was exceptional against Chelsea. Um, so I think that Chelsea was sort of unlucky in that respect. And uh, But, you know, Chelsea are champions and they're a champions team should be able to break down a team with 71 with 71 percent possession with uh, 19 chances and, and Chelsea did have a few chances and they didn't take that they didn't take it and uh, that, uh, that that's the difference it's been um, it's been like that for the past two games because you guys were at the Atletico Madrid game very similar Chelsea created clear cut openings and didn't put it away and you know this this level if you want to be successful in this very 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 difficult league don't forget the Premier League is definitely the most difficult league in the world right now the competition is so high Manchester City great even Man United Liverpool Arsenal these teams are all fantastic so um, really that's that makes all the difference and uh, yeah I don't know Do you, did you guys think that Chelsea should have been more attacking in a 3-4-3 formation maybe rather than a 3-5-2 well that was actually one of the things I put down is I thought that the system failed today um a 3-4-3, even if you have Hazard up top for Morata, you get a lot more of those small pl- passes and interchanging runs from William, Hazard, and Pedro. I mean, the problem is you have big guys in the back line for West Ham, and so they're not going to have a chance of winning anything in the air. But I thought that maybe we could stretch out and find some space in, in behind. So I, I yeah. think that that... Yeah, I I thought the three four three would have been best. And when we went down, I even said that Nick halftime. I said we need William and Pedro to come in to create more chaos and, and kind of runs. But they came in, Pedro went to left wing back. William did make a run forward, it seemed like, and even a three four three ish kind of a format, it didn't work. I, I mean, I would quickly say too, like this is we've kind of waffled back and forth on the show uh, in, in recent weeks about whether Murata can really play like a true kind of hold up back to goal position uh, against you know Premier League center backs and and some you know like West Ham's uh, players today are going to be a bit more physical. Some are going to are going to wait uh, and and play off the ball a little bit more. So. I think that he he struggled today uh, with that kind of physicality, and we've seen it before where uh, you're looking at um, you know maybe a, a more you know kind of physical side in Stoke that Chelsea were able to break him down and eventually you know really put the game away, and that just did not happen today for whatever reason. So uh, it's it's difficult because I think that Sesk was looking for. Uh, you know, kind of that long ball like he normally does, Brandon, and as soon as uh, you know, as soon as he would hit it, there would be three or four uh, center backs kind of surrounding uh, Murata or Hazard, and, and there just wasn't any service after that. Definitely wasn't any service of that sense. Um, Naz, I actually thought that our most important player had his worst performance today. I thought Angolo Conte, Angolo Kante, 
was off it. I thought he was off the pace. I thought he was misplacing a ton of passes. Uh, it hurt kind of our ability to go forward today. Um, but I put that out there on social media and got lit up a little bit. So I guess what did you think of Angola Conte's day out and maybe how it affected the team? I've got to slightly disagree with you there, Brandon. I thought he was actually um, probably one of the better players. I still, you know, I don't think that's the sort of game where Angolo Kante shines. It's not his, you know, his his whole job is to stop other teams playing, really. And, uh, you know, he does have a little bit of creativity and quality going forward. But, uh, I, I, you know, I could see why maybe he'd be slightly disappointed in his, his play and possession. But... I think he outperformed Fabregas. I think yeah, Fabregas, uh, like you said, um, Nick, sort of uh, West Ham were defending quite deep, and Fabregas is good at those deep sort of balls. But um, you know those duck balls from like far away from the goal, and uh, I just don't think they were really working. I think West Ham really handled it. Uh, Aspilicueta is another weapon, and West Ham was set up well to stop Aspilicueta to stop. Fabregas from playing those balls that uh, Morata loves. He loves those balls in the air that those two provide. Um, and I think that they they sort of counteracted that very well. And then you're looking at a plan B with the quick players that came in to the 3-4-3. Um, you know, Hazard, Pedro, Willian. And uh, they dealt with that too. Um, you know, I just don't think Chelsea were patient enough. I think they were trying to force it, but playing a bit too quick. Um, like, you know, if you compare that with Man City, the way they sort of just really pick a perfect spot uh, and then and then punish you. Um, I, I think that, you know, I, I can understand some fans wanting Chelsea to play 3-4-3. I think that, uh, you know, I think that maybe Conte should have done it. I think, you know, you've got Pedro on the bench almost every week now who was sensational last season. Uh, yes, he's been injured for... Um, you know, so a, a long period this season, really, and uh, but I think now's the time to use him a little bit more. Uh, Willian too, you know, he had some good performances, he's had some bad performances, uh, but how's a player supposed to get going without a game? So those two must be getting a little bit frustrated with this three-five-two uh, formation that's come about. Um, but in defence of Conte, three-five-two is shown to have more balance. Uh, when Chelsea were playing three-four-three in October, the defence was absolutely awful. And um, you know, I think that three-five-two is probably going to be the formation for big matches. But West Ham are a smaller team, and Chelsea should be imposing themselves a little bit more. I thought, and you know, it's easy to say in hindsight, but maybe maybe this was a game for three-four-three. Well, and maybe don't play Pedro at left wing back and kind of make him ineffective. He barely got around the other box. Um, Nick, we had some tweets uh, at Craig Ledoux saying that he thinks that his Ardmarats are a bit isolated up top. I mean, do you think that they're kind of on an island? We're not able to get support. We've seen Drinkwater and Bakayoko at times make that run through the middle to kind of bring in an extra attacker. Um Real Ofoha actually said no. It's just because Chelsea play too defensive. Uh, I mean, what do you think about the strikers being isolated? Well, I, I think yesterday was um, partly partly the system failed in the midfield because the wrong guy was was running upfield. You know, I think probably as of the the as of halftime, probably Cesc Fabregas knew that that long ball over the top just you know most likely wasn't going to come off, and I think that him and Bakayoko should have switched. So Bakayoko played deeper, and and Sesk was able to run upfield and link shorter passes with with those two. I think that would have probably been my uh, take on it. But uh, I also know that Conte loves to have him uh, kind of quarterbacking from deep, uh, Naz. And so I don't know how you feel about uh, the link up play and and whether or not you would have changed uh, who was running up through the middle. But I think that is a crucial part of the three five two really working. 
I agree. I agree totally. That is a good detail. I think Drinkwater is probably the best of the uh, the midfielders. Actually, he's shown that he's quite good in the three-five-two, breaking into the box. And uh, you know, he used to be an attacking midfielder. He used to be a striker. So uh, he knows he knows what he's doing in that part of the mid, uh, that part of the pitch. But uh, yeah, I think that I think that Conte's subs were pretty good. You know, it was the it was the earliest Conte had ever made uh, three substitutions, and it was also the earliest that Antonio Conte had ever made two substitutions in a match so um, he really he's really decisive in what he wanted to do and I think that when you have Pedro playing wing back in that 3-4-3 with um, you know the the attacking three up, up there as well I think that's really what Chelsea's all-out attack formation is I think that that is as attacking as Chelsea are going to get and it and it is really attacking I think he just put in as many uh, bodies on the pitch that could score goals as possible you know Pedro last season scored goals Willian scored quite a lot of goals as well Hazard uh, Morata's capable of goals obviously and uh, and Fabregas should be able to chip in with a few himself um, and uh, these guys just didn't deliver on the day for whatever reason I think that um I think that Morata sort of had the big chance of the game, and uh, and you know what Conte did, uh, you, you know his subs that he made uh, were part of what gave Morata chances, what gave Chelsea complete dominance in that game. But um, I think that the players, are partly themselves, have, have fallen short. You know, as a team, Chelsea have fallen short uh, in this title race because, of course, uh, Conte has given up on the title as well. He said it's impossible. So. Uh, so yeah, I think that I think that Conte did quite well with subs. Maybe his starting lineup was wrong, but uh, he reacted well. Um, sometimes these things just don't go in your favour. For you know, uh, with with what Chelsea had, I think he did the best he could. I don't know what you think, Brandon. Uh, I it was I like I don't blame <laughs> Conte for all of it. It was just the team genuinely looked tired. Um, they looked a bit disinterested and getting kicked and pushed off the ball. What I tweeted out was West Ham brought a fight. Chelsea weren't interested in that. Um, And I think that that's what kind of uh, deterred Chelsea from really pushing for it until the last 10, 15 minutes or so when Hazard would come all the way, get the ball off of our back three, and he would dribble it and push the ball forward because it just wasn't happening from the midfielders we had at that point. I mean, look, though, and one of those things could be that Mark Alonso is just dead tired. Uh, Zappa Costa playing 60 minutes on the other side and then being switched over to left wing back, um, you know, where he's not as comfortable probably isn't great. So if you're going to start, if you're going to play Pedro left wing back, Brandon, why don't you just play him there and say, all right, Alonso, we, we should be able to win this game without Marcus Alonso because West Ham are so bad. We're going to throw Pedro at left wing back. He's done it before. It might not be the best option he has, but Pedro is dying for minutes, like like uh, Naz was saying. So why don't you just start him there and just let it fly? Uh, you know, I, I know that he's a conservative kind of cat, but you know that would have been another way to kind of look at that left wing back position, especially with Moses not starting, which I thought was really weird. Well, another concerning trend this season has to be that Chelsea have been dropping points against lower table teams, kind of like we talked about at the beginning. Uh, obviously, West Ham and then Crystal Palace jumped to mind is is the worst. Um, you know, even Man City struggles against ten men in the box, but like Nas said, they're finding a way to win, just like we did last season. Uh, it looks like Chelsea have given up the first goal in the past four out of five matches. And at 
1689Jedi on Twitter says, why are we struggling against relegation zone teams? Naz, do you think it's isolated to like the bottom lower half? Or these are just more like a timing thing coming off midweek Champions League, you know, three, four matches every two weeks? No, I think it's a great question. I think it, it might partly come down to a lack of depth. That would be something I would co- come up to, you know, the size of the squad. Whereas, like, other teams, you have to rest players at certain points in the season. We touched upon it, uh, like Nick said, with Marcos Alonso. Um, Chelsea have to rest players. You know, they try not to. Conte doesn't really like to rotate as much as other managers. Um, and he doesn't really have the option to either. Um, but, you know, I think that it's because of a lack of decent options as backups and you know if Chelsea rest Hazard they're dropping down a level Um, you know they rest Hazard against Swansea City don't forget at Stamford Bridge Swansea um, were much worse than uh, West Ham were uh, at the weekend so um, I think that and, and Chelsea really struggled against Swansea they they absolutely dominated the game completely but in the final third they weren't clinical and they struggled and I think that when Chelsea rest their best players they're not as good if if one of their best players gets injured they drop points you know N'Golo Kante uh, was injured for the uh, Crystal Palace game and, and that was a huge reason a, a massive part of why Chelsea lost that game and why Chelsea lost against Roma why they uh, drew against Roma at home but should have been beaten um, I think that there's certain players that Chelsea can't do without whereas Man City lost um, Mendy and they and they found a way to win even Man United yes they lose Pogba but and go negative and don't play good football but they still get the points and um, that that's I think that that might be what's killing Chelsea really um, you know uh, you hear it from the manager and the players themselves saying that uh, the Champions League football having that this season has hurt their league form and that's uh, you know having those extra six games playing two games a week um, is the squad really ready for that is it good enough for that and uh, you know certain players like Morata um, he's never really played two games a week in a team before when he was at Juventus he was sort of in and out of the team at, at Real Madrid he was in and out of the team even more so um, for a lot of these guys are adapting um, and uh, uh, and also the squad just itself isn't big enough in my opinion and I think that that's why you see these freak results happen well a, a question for you Naz then is because you know, I, I see your point and I think outside of the rare opportunity that Williams uh, really captured his moment uh, to come in as a uh, a substitute and really take over for Hazard or um, if you think about maybe um, Zappa Costa, you know, with the occasional good performance for Moses while he was injured, there haven't been a ton of Chelsea players who have really taken their opportunity or taken their chance, um, you know, outside of the, you know, kind of the first 11. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, because you, you just kind of named out, you know, a few other examples of, of top level squads who uh, have a secondary kind of team that is stepping up on a week to week basis. I'm wondering why Conte can't get the best out of these guys. Uh, you know, especially because we know what the schedule looks like. We know that there will be two matches a week for however long this season. So uh, just a question back to you on your thoughts there. I think partly the uh, Premier League is really tough. I think that you've got to say that Chelsea have had more injuries than a lot of teams or as well, um, and that's been a factor. But I think, you know, Conte not getting enough out of the guys, I just don't think maybe the guys have proven they're good enough either. You know, Zappacosta stepping up from Torino to Chelsea, and uh, I don't know 
if he's really good enough to be a Premier League winning uh, wing back uh, you know and when you see Man City have signed Danilo who's not even getting in the team who was uh, you know he's had his problems at Real Madrid but he's somebody who Chelsea certainly wanted and uh, then they've got Kyle Kyle Walker in ahead of him who was absolutely class last season for Spurs uh, I just think that maybe some of the Chelsea additions are a level below what their rivals have added um, you know I really like Morata and uh, uh, so that was a good addition but you know beyond that I'm thinking I'm thinking is this is, is Conte his squad really equipped uh, to battle on all fronts and uh, I think that maybe the Premier League form suffered. Um, you know, of course, Chelsea's still in the cup. They're one stage further than they did get last season, and uh, and they're in the next round of the Champions League. So, um, I think that I think that that's been really the reason. I just don't think that these players are good enough. Um, you know, Christensen stepped up because he is good enough, but uh, when David Luiz fell out of uh, yeah. favour, but um, the rest of them haven't really responded like Christensen has. I mean, it's a good point about Christians and though, Brandon. I mean, he's been tremendous, and I think we've we've waxed poetic about him on the show uh, quite a bit. But you know, back to you. And I will continue to do so until he never messes up. It's been it's been great. Real quick, shout out to at Covell nineteen sixty five next on Instagram and at bfactor seven. I know all of you threw out questions about the slow starts and everything. Um, just want to give you uh, your proper credit on that. And then obviously Shane for the stat on uh, conceding four out of the last five games first. But I want to roll on with Naz's very leading narrative there, talking about Chelsea not having the squad to compete on all fronts. And I think that a lot of us knew that once the summer transfer window closed. I think that you'd be lying to yourself if you thought that Chelsea, after seeing what Man City uh, and United had done in the transfer market, thinking that Chelsea could go in and defend their title again. Man City blew everyone out of the water. Um, United continued to do what United does in the transfer window. And I just think that maybe expectations as fans for this season, we have to talk about it. Um, I'm an eternal optimist, right? Like I always see the best in Chelsea, except yesterday, but who did? (laughs) Um, But we've got the Premier League top four. I think that that's something that's obviously still within grasp. Uh, we got the League Cup, the FA Cup, and the Champions League. All of this yet to play for this season. So, you know, especially after Conte made some tough remarks after the match, essentially writing off Chelsea's title chances. I mean, what do we kind of see for expectations of this team? I don't want fans to be going out there saying, we should win the quadruple. What's the problem? Let's hit the treble. I mean... That's not what this team is made up to do, Nick, at least in my opinion. I think that top four and a trophy is a great season coming off of, you know, our summer transfer business. Yeah. I mean, I think that we have to be realistic about it. Um, You know, Chelsea have just uh, been very up and down this year. You know, before yesterday, we had a seven match Premier League unbeaten streak, which is great. Um, You know, it's half of what City... Have just achieved as of today, so uh, you know it's it's nice to go seven games unbeaten. But before that, it was kind of up and down and all over the place. And you know, clearly, we stumbled out of the gate. Uh, we've lost the teams that we um, did not lose to last year, and I think that really makes a huge difference. Um, just to kind of expect to win and to win uh, instead of expect to win 
play a pretty shit game and then lose. So there's a bunch of factors here. You know, I don't think that Chelsea, uh, unless unless they're waiting to turn it up to 11 uh, for the Champions League, I don't think that Chelsea really have that strong of a chance to go and, and compete, you know, semifinal-wise in that trophy uh, anymore, just after, on, on current form. Uh, so... You know, perhaps a, a deep run in the FA Cup again and, and top four and, and try and reset for next year. But that's that's just my thoughts, Naz. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I particularly agree with uh, your kind of general thoughts about uh, about it being a good season if Chelsea get top four, if they, um, you know, win a cup or, or go very far in a cup competition, including the Champions League. Uh, I think that, I think that you know certain fans will have an ambition that Chelsea should be winning the Premier League every season. If they don't win the Premier League, it's a bad year. But the Premier League is very difficult, and there's a very special team in the Premier League that we all know about, Manchester City. Uh, I'm quite frightened about Manchester City, to be honest. I think they could dominate for a number of years in 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 English football and maybe even in European football too. I think that you know we've got that Pep Guardiola unlimited money uh, plus a uh, plus a club that's just world class from top to bottom um all that all together in one uh, really really frightens me in terms of what what teams like Chelsea can do it, i mean they're they're a huge threat um but you know in saying that you know Chelsea uh, are still a great team they're still you know they can compete for the top four they can compete in cup competitions they're going to have to get past a city side in probably all competitions to win anything um, so that's going to be tough but um, I think that you know on, on Chelsea's day they can find a formula to beat anyone in the world anyone in world football but when you were talking about this long old slog of a Premier League where you've got to be good week in week out consistency Antonio Conte said it after the game against West Ham it's about consistency that's that's what the game's about in the league and Chelsea haven't had anywhere near enough to compete with Man City in, in consistency um, you know when things are going wrong when you've got an away trip in Europe and you've got to play a team yes you're tired but all the big teams have to face this and um, Man City have always found a way they've always uh, been dominant enough that they could probably rest players in certain games or, or have a big enough squad and Chelsea haven't had that and I think that for some expectations is a funny thing with Chelsea fans certain Chelsea fans want it all and others are maybe a bit more calm I think that just enjoy the football and see where it takes us I mean by no means am I happy with the situation I just I think that sometimes fans just we we push the emotional boundary beyond what is capable this season and it just sets us up for failure as fans as well I mean I'm always going to push and want Chelsea to be successful but I'm going to be realistic that we're going to drop the odd match here and there that we probably normally would have won especially last season because we have our hand in so many different competitions at the moment uh, I mean it, really quick though if you think about last year like you want to compare the two years I think for 90% of the Premier League they knew that the title race was between two teams at about this point right uh, you know, it was between Chelsea and Spurs last year. It'll be between uh, City and United probably again at the end of the year uh, this year. So, like, the cream really, you know, rises to the top at this point, and Chelsea just aren't part of that that group right now. It's not to say that they can't really get back in it and close the gap, and, you know, maybe Manchester City, you know, stumbles onto the same injury problems that Chelsea have had, and, and it's not improbable to say that, you know, City will jump, uh, will drop points and, and maybe jump a little bit all over the table. But, uh, you know, Chelsea, 
need to go on one of these crazy winning streaks to even allow that to happen. And so when Antonio Conte said, you know, was not worried about the the Manchester Derby today, Naz, and just said that Chelsea need to keep winning, I think that's where his head was at. Yeah, that was my question actually to Antonio as well. Uh, but yeah, um, I think obviously, yeah, his head was at that. You know that he knows that West Ham's a difficult game. That's the that's the problem with the Premier League. You look at other leagues in Europe, and Chelsea would probably be a better contender in the Bundesliga or anything else. But the Premier League's so tough. You can't, you've got to focus on yourself all the time. Um, I think that I think that yeah, I think I think that City are just ahead and uh I think that they've pretty much sewn the title up now. Um after beating Man United at Old Trafford as well. Uh I think that that's that's killed it really. Well, shout outs to at filmy seven four seven, Kieran Sim on Instagram and Sasha Tuladar also on Instagram. All of you guys throwing that out there. What are expectations? Top four, Champions League, where are we at? Tweet at us. Instagram, comment, DM us, Facebook, email, whatever you want to do. Where do you think Chelsea are going to end at the end of the season? What should our expectations be as fans? Are we overshooting, undershooting with the squad we have? Where do you think we should be? I'm really interested to see what kind of develops after Conte said in regards to the Chelsea's title race being over, that it never started. I don't know. That's those are some grim, grim words from yeah. Antonio Conte. Yeah, I think that's just. I th- it's a little poor from him, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't criticize Antonio that much, but you know, I think as the manager, you know, ninety nine percent of your job is to make sure that the players are in the right position. But in those press conference moments, Naz, I think that you know to say that it never really ever started. You know that kind of puts the fans in a in a mode to say, well, then what the hell is going on? You know, if if it never started, then you know we're we're paying exorbitant ticket prices to show up and and hope that it started. And you know, it, I think that kind of I don't know that kind of was a weird comment for him to make. Yeah, you you're right to ask questions of the club, especially you know a club that uh, paints itself as being uh, you know one of the best in the world, if not. Um, really pushing to win on all fronts Antonio said before the season started that he wants to win every competition he's in uh, and now he said he said that after the West Ham game so uh, yeah it's kind of frustrating really because you know you do get fed the ambition from uh, the, the management team from the club uh, and, and all that kind of thing and uh, it's, it's fallen short but um, you know you can see from just the players they've got available that it wasn't enough there really to ever compete and um, you know I thought that you know Chelsea were underdogs winning the title last season uh, they won the title for many reasons they were great the players I think that Chelsea always put out a great first 11 Chelsea have their best players all fit they're as good as anyone uh, and last season everyone was fit almost all the time and uh, they didn't have to worry about Champions League games so that meant that Chelsea had a, uh, they did have an advantage and teams like Man City weren't ready yet they didn't click into gear that's what I feel has happened to them uh, Man United were way off the pace they were pretty poor to be honest um, and then you know Spurs were also punching above their weight and you expect Chelsea to always beat Spurs and they do um, when they play them um, 
So I think that I think that yeah I think that ambition's a really interesting one with Chelsea. I think I always I can never work out. You know, you talk to certain people, they want everything, and uh, other people are more sort of uh, you know pessimistic and sort of just happy to be there supporting the team. And I think that I think the best thing you can do is ask questions though as a fan and uh, and sort of question you know where the club's going, uh, how things are how things are moving. I think Chelsea have been outspent by many teams in Europe now. Uh, they, I think they've broken even on transfers now. They've sold Diego Costa. So where's where's all that money going to go now? And uh, are we going to see some major players? Which is exactly what Chelsea needs to even compete with Man City and uh, win titles in the future. I think that. Uh, and and if Chelsea don't show that ambition, what sort of message does it send to players, the players they currently have, and the players they want to sign? Um, you know, if if Man City start to dominate in England, then. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna pick off all the best transfers as well. So um, there's a lot of issues raised up by uh, by by the current Premier League table. Really, I'd say. Well, good time to find out and see what they do to replace Michael Manalo in that position, and uh, we'll kind of see well, how it'll it be goes. Interesting. It'll be interesting too in January if 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 we're not really a part of the title, and you know we'll get into the Champions League bit in a in a, in a second, but. You know, if things are looking kind of bleak from the overall perspective, like will there be reinforcements in January even? Or are they just going to say, let's wait till summer and kind of look at this thing again holistically? Because right now, you know, with Eminalo's departure, Brandon, and, you know, a whole bunch of kind of variables in the mix, I think it's it's a legitimate question to ask whether Chelsea are going to heavily invest in a season that Antonio Conte already kind of views from the league side as a lost cause. Well, thankfully, we did get those questions from social media. So let's go ahead and wrap up this one, and then we can elaborate on that. So as always, we do the man of the match poll, but Dan (laughs) got a little cheeky this time and said the options were Mishi's hot water bottle, uh, mandatory second option, mandatory third option, and (laughs) mandatory fourth option. The real controversy is why the fourth outperformed the second and third (laughs) combined. I, I love our fans for voting in this poll because they probably had no business doing it. Um, we clearly it pretty, had given up, yeah. but not them. Yeah, no, I, I I think this was really well done by Dan, that rascal, and uh, and you know Mishi and the hot water bottle Naz. Uh, that's a seventy four percent winner. Yeah, well, that was a that was a surprising moment, but it was bloody cold out there. I can confirm that two degrees. I should have had a water bottle. I didn't prepare well. Well, he might want to, you know, pack the extra layers as uh, as it's not going to get any warmer for a while, I don't think. It's Huddersfield away. Like, it's going to be cold at Huddersfield away. I can only imagine. Well, especially because, you know, that's where I live, essentially. Same same temperature. Pretty cold. Um, Manchester City at the top of the table, running away with it. 46 points. United in second on 35. Chelsea sit at third on 32 points Liverpool drawing against Everton today keeps them at fourth on 30 points Arsenal fifth at 29 Spurs at sixth on 28 tied with Burnley also on 28 so that's how the table stands if you kind of look at everyone's next match you'd say they're all winnable Um, so we'll kind of have to see if anyone wobbles uh, next week um, with kind of bottom half 
teams to face. So uh, before we hit all these social media questions, talking about transfers and youth and just a lot of different topics, Nick, World Soccer Shop are having some some 48-hour deals online right now, aren't they? That's right. So if you go to worldsoccershop.com, I think this will just kind of be a holiday theme that they have going on throughout the month. But they have these 48-hour deals that are essentially deals that last for 48 hours but there's like a myriad of stuff in there so i would go and check that uh that stuff out as well and then it, as always go to the chelsea page um and and look around and snoop for some deals on there there you know some of them uh, some of the chelsea deals are not advertised like in your face on the on the home page so you might have to go digging for a little bit but uh but world soccer shop is the place to go brandon absolutely um so right off the bat we have some a lot of questions, all right? A lot of different takes. Um, you know, Vinash5288 on Twitter says, if the title defense is over, who do we buy in January to guarantee the Champions League? Of all the new signings, who has failed to impress the most? Well, it's kind of been hard because all of our new signings have been injured at one point or the other, except maybe Zappacosta. But um, Naz Obviously, the probably dream signing for Chelsea to get in January, specifically for Champions League, would be Alexis Sanchez, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think that he'd be a good option. I think that I think City are probably way ahead on that one. I think that you could, you could understand from maybe Sanchez's point of view if he's going to pick a club at this stage, maybe he'd pick City. Um, and I, I, that's another that's another problem because basically everyone's going to want Sanchez and he's got his pick of a club. Um, I think Chelsea would be right to go in for him. Uh, I think that they will. I think that Sanchez loves London as well, so that's a factor in Chelsea's favour. But um, he can I can offer playing time, unlike at City. Aguero's on the bench today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that maybe he would get games at City. I think he is. Uh, superstar. I don't know what Arsenal did in keeping him. The City were pretty close to getting him um, in in the summer. So um, yeah, it would be easier to get game time at Chelsea. Maybe that could be a factor in the in the negotiations. And it would surprise me if they didn't go in for him. I think Alexandro, another one who everyone's dreaming of at Chelsea to see him coming in at left wing back. Uh, he's he's a player they tried to sign and failed to sign. One of many they tried and failed to sign in the summer, but. I think that I think that as time goes on, it'll be easier and easier to sign Alexandro because uh, every moment he doesn't renew his contract is a is a is a moment in Chelsea's favour, and uh, a lot of transfers are about timing, and uh, uh, maybe that maybe that's something that will uh, go in Chelsea's favour. Nick, what I was gonna say, what about you on of all the new signings, who has failed to impress the most? Failed to impress the most. Um... Yeah, I mean, probably, probably Zappacosta for me. I, I drink water. I don't think we have a full kind of sample size for him yet, and I think he's shown some moments of of class. So uh, probably Zappacosta. It's not. It's not as if Zappacosta's been horrible though. Like I feel like I, I went and listened to a couple of our recent pods, and and there were some. Uh, some not great things said about Zappacosta. I don't think he's been terrible, Naz. I think it's it's just been when you look at what Victor Moses offered last year and then even coming back from injury uh, in the last couple of matches, I think it's clear to me that Victor is more suited for that for that right wing back role. Yeah, I think he's um, 
Yeah, I don't think Zapacost has made the role his own while Moses has been injured. Moses was out for a long time and uh, that was the chance for Zapacosta to come in, step up and take that spot. And uh, Alonso did it last season when he got his chance. He had to wait a similar amount of time and Marcos Alonso took his chance. He took the spot and maybe maybe just Zapacosta's not quite good enough. Uh, decent backup, but um, never going to pull up any trees. And I do worry that maybe... I, I don't know, I just get the feeling that maybe he's uh, not not quite good enough for this level of football and, uh, you know, he's an alright backup, like I said, but Bakayoko's another one who's kind of yeah. disappointed. He's had a few big games, of course he has, but um, I think that maybe most of the signings haven't really gone so well so far, but uh, they're, they're all, like, stepping up, or young guys, or uh, I think all of them have stepped up a level. I mean, even Morata, you know, he's come from Real Madrid, he's come from Juventus, but he wasn't the main man there, and now he's the main man, and uh, he's he has stepped up and done great, uh, but the others... Uh, and not really handled the adjustment to a new environment very well and obviously like you said Nick drink water just unlucky to come in with a, he, he came in with an injury and then he got a different injury uh, after making the bench against Leicester unlucky for him um, but yeah it's, it's transfers haven't gone well partly bad luck as well part of it's luck I think that if anything a lot of fans are pumped with what Drinkwater's done, even in the limited amount of minutes that he's had. So uh, credit to him. Uh, at, or Mark on Facebook says, is Bakioko playing bad enough to try Ampadu in his place? This being with Drinkwater being injured or sick. Um, I mean, we've only seen him in the League Cup yeah. for a few minutes. You think that like a David Luiz or I don't know, some other senior team player would fill that role before an Ampadu, even at this kind of situation, Nick, don't you? Yeah, I, and look, I mean, if if Conte deems that Ampadu is ready to play and play semi-regularly, I mean, if you think about, you know, the, the rotation that's been happening in the midfield, it's like uh, one player will get subbed in every couple of matches, so it's like one out of three that you, you don't play. Uh, that I mean, that's a major... That's a major coup for Ampadu, Naz, and, and I just don't know if he's he's ready necessarily to take that on yet. Yeah, he's insanely young, isn't he? He's just turned seventeen. Uh, he, you know, he, he you know he, he played quite well against Everton when he started, uh, but uh, I think it, towards the end of the game he faded, and Chelsea were really struggling against a, another very poor team. And uh, I I don't know. I, I think that he can be thankful to be coming off the bench into a world class team, and he's obviously doing all the right things in training because he's getting picks for match day squads uh, he's, he's jumped ahead of loads of uh, other academy players to get in the first team squad but uh, yeah I think you're right I think it's it's I think it's too soon when I see that I think it's almost like a bit of an insult on Bakayoko and uh, this guy needs games to get back to where he needs to be to get a level to be a Chelsea player you need game time you need to be allowed to make mistakes on the pitch and um, I think that Ampadu yeah, it's great to see a 17-year-old as a backup for the lads, but um, you know, to see him starting a few games, I think that it's going to be too soon, and maybe he'd get found out, and maybe it would knock his confidence, if anything, if he got destroyed in a game. Um, uh, that's just my opinion. Well, we have quite a few questions about Murata and our finishing 
um, at Ryan Thomas 1905 on Twitter. Uh, Jeff Boston, a little bit of a rant here, says, is Murata really capable of strong hold-up play? Will he ever learn he's not getting calls for going to the ground easily? Do we need a more feisty, bullish striker like we had in Costa? At Craig Ledoux hitting that up, saying, you know, He's improved a lot, Murata, strength-wise, but still drops to the ground when he gets tired or isn't having luck in a game that has to be coached out of him. And then finally, quick shot CFC on Instagram saying it's been two games of not being accurate with our chances. Is that fatigue or are the players not as awesome as we think? Um, I mean, Naz, obviously, La Liga, Serie A is much different to the Premier League. I think we have seen signs of Murata making some pretty big adjustments to physicality, but he wants to run at defenders rather than body up and, and kind of turn off them. At least that's kind of the impressions I get when I see him kind of with the ball at his feet. Yeah, I think defenders are targeting him uh, physically and trying to push him around a little bit, I, especially in the smaller clubs. That's what that's how they try to handle him. Um, I think he's still a great player and his goal record's still decent. Um, he's obviously missing a few chances as well. Uh, it takes a lot of chances for him to score and that's something he needs to improve on. But he's a young lad leading the line. He's not really done it week in, week out before. Um, there's going to be teething problems and basically... Um, yeah, Diego Costa was a great player and Chelsea have let him go. Um, but I think Morata can surpass Diego Costa in the long run. I just think, you know, for this season and his first season, we might not see the best of him in a Chelsea shirt. You know, it took time for Drogba to adapt to Chelsea um, and it might take uh, Morata time to adapt to Chelsea. I still think he's going to end up being a great signing for Chelsea and doing every aspect of what a striker should do. Obviously, He's not doing every aspect right now. Uh, he's not perfect, um, but I think I still think he's been a really good signing. And uh, I don't know. I'm quite I'm quite pumped on him. I think he I, I like the way he plays the game, and he does hold the ball up quite well. I think uh, he's just not as physical uh, as some other strikers. But um, you know, in terms of technically holding up the ball, you know, when the ball's played to feet, he often finds the right passing around the box. And against West Ham, he did a sort of decent job. I think that he missed a best chance of the game the pivotal chance that Chelsea could have gone on to win the game if he scored I think it was something like the 70th minute and he, he didn't he didn't manage it uh, but I think he needs to get better in those decisive moments that can swing a game but yeah what, what do you think Nick are you a big fan of his I'm guessing you are <laughs> of course yeah like he's fantastic you know and I, I agree with you I think he's going to be better next year but uh, there are times in games where I get frustrated with him because I think when you watch him, you know that he's so uh, lethal with the ball at his feet. Uh, and I do think that he tries to bring the ball down and control it and start the interchange. But uh, I think that Jeff is right. I think that you know when he's not getting any sort of luck in a, in a match or he's not finding any sort of uh, lane to, to drive in, that he is uh, he gets a little petulant, um, which is, you know, I think just an adjustment that he's going to have to make. And Yes, he's not the kind of bull in the china shop that Diego Costa was, but um, we've al we've also waxed poetic about him not being Diego Co Diego Costa this year. So I, I don't want to flip flop too much on that. I would I would much rather have Murata and and know that uh, ninety percent of the time, if he's given a chance like he had against West Ham, that he's going to bury it. Um, and I think he just didn't have his uh, his uh, striking boots on yesterday, Naz. Could I just add one more point? Yeah, and uh, I, I think that he didn't have his striking boots on, and that's probably the best thing to lead on to what I wanted to say, was just that 
you know, last season when Diego Costa wasn't firing the goals, other people were stepping up into the breach. You know, Willian would come off the bench and win a game, or Fabregas or or Pedro would be scoring the goals. Uh, and this season. The goals haven't come from around the rest of the pitch as much as easily. Uh, you know, from central midfield, there needs to be more goals. Even defence, uh, Gary Cahill scored, I think, eight goals last season, and he hasn't scored yet this season. Um, uh, you know, Christensen missed two massive chances against Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, if you're going to criticise one area of his game, maybe he needs to be taking uh, one of those two chances. Uh, and they were they were massive chances as well. Um, Rudiger scored a few goals, but um, I think that the rest of the team need to chip in when um, the front man's struggling uh, you know great teams do that City get goals from all over the place they've got two players on 10 plus goals uh, attacking midfielders on 8-9 goals and stuff like that so uh, yeah I think that that's, that's something Chelsea need to improve upon all right. Well, thank you again, everyone, for all the questions. Obviously, after this week's result, we had way more than we could ever get in. So uh, apologies if we didn't get to yours, um, but keep them coming and we'll keep putting them in. Uh, but that being said, um, I do want to move on to the match preview against Huddersfield. Obviously, Nick, we just got back from London. XL Tours was our sponsor for that. It was amazing, but we're already getting ready to go back that's right yeah so we are going back in in late march early april uh the plan is to see spurs at home which is a, a massive match and certainly the kind of atmosphere that you would want to go see uh chelsea playing at the bridge and then potentially you know depending on how the the champions league goes there would um there's a date uh midweek that would be uh kind of slated for a, a champions league home match if the draw goes that way so there's a possibility of seeing two matches, and then we have some uh, other items planned as well for the spring trip already that we've been, you know, speaking with XL Tours about, and and you know, speaking with uh, um, some of our friends around the club about. So I think there is uh, a massive, massive trip coming up, and if you want to uh, purchase or help purchase part of a trip for uh, a loved one, Brandon, how would how would you get in touch with us to do that? For sure, if you want to go and people are asking for Christmas ideas, holiday gift ideas for you, just email me at contact at londonisbluepodcast.com. And what I'll do is I will make a customized certificate, essentially, that they can give you. And then on the backside, we'll work with XL Tours to get that all set up so they can essentially like get, do a down payment for you. So hit us up. We'll get you guys taken care of. Uh, but we do want to wrap up this episode not without talking about the next match. They're coming thick and fast. We've talked about this. Tons of matches in December. So it's going to be Huddersfield Town at another Premier League match at John Smith Stadium. Best stadium name in the Premier League right now, Naz? Well, yeah, it's named after a beer, so it's not too bad. <laughs> They've got good beers. Well, I've actually had it over here. And one of the fancy imports have some good dark beers. But anyways, it'll be this coming Tuesday, December 12th. You know... The way it stands, um, they're coming off four losses and just beat Brighton Hove. Chelsea, on the other hand, are coming off a loss against West Ham. But before that, undefeated out of six to seven. Uh, you know, Chelsea are in third. Huddersfield are in 12th. They've won five. We've won 10. If everything goes to script, which it doesn't always, Nick, it, you know, is this another potential trip-up spot? I mean, you lose two in a row to West Ham and then a Huddersfield, it's going to get nasty. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it is a, a potential trip-up spot, honestly. Uh, I think that uh, Huddersfield are better right now than West Ham. I mean, league table place would tell you that, but uh, I also think that they are more compact and resolute. They have David Wagner, who is uh, a German-American uh, coaching their squad, and, and he's built this kind of ridiculous uh, team belief uh, within their camp. Uh, they're, they're tough to play against. I mean, Manchester United lost against some Naz. Uh, it's not going to be an easy match on Tuesday, is it? No, exactly. And Man City struggle against them as well. Another one of those teams that has built up confidence against uh, the Manchester club. So, yeah, it's it's a really tough game. It's not great conditions. Two away games in a row. Uh, not a lot of time for Chelsea to prepare for this one. I think that the Chelsea players will have a day off today and then uh, they'll be working in training tomorrow. One session to prepare. That'll be video analysis and... Uh, and you know your typical uh, training, training the shape, preparing for the opposition, um, and the atmosphere will be amazing. As this is a huge event for the people in Huddersfield, it's going to be the atmosphere in that stadium is going to be uh, huge, and they're going to be baiting the referee for every decision. They're going to be on top of the Chelsea players. It's a quite a small, tight stadium, so uh, they'll really hear the atmosphere, um, and it'll be freezing cold as well. So um, plenty of chance to get. Uh, get an injury uh, in that in that sort of condition so um yeah it's going to be it's going to be a really tough one and if they come away with a win from that then uh, credit to them um i think that it's it's going to be tough but chelsea have a lot of class and it's time to show that class i guess i guess i mean this is kind of what we always ask after these you know matches that come on only a few days rest any changes to the lineup nick are we going to see 3511 with the exact same guys uh, it's tough. I mean, Naz, do you know if, if Drinkwater might be available for this match or is his il- illness going to take him out for a while? Yeah, he's not going to be out for a while, but uh, yeah, he could be back. He could be back. So um, let, let's speak as if he is back. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to pretend he is back. Then I, I would definitely make that change uh, for Bakayoko. Uh, I think I would start with Moses and Zappacosta um, because I think Alonso just looks uh, absurdly tired and... and and, and that's not a slight against him. He's just played every match and play, played pretty much every minute of the season so far. So I would give him a break and put Zappacosta out wide. Uh, and then, you know, I don't know. I think I think the condition um, of the of the field might not play into uh, a silky smooth 3-4-3. So it, you're probably going to see a, a 3-5-2. Brandon, that's just my prediction. Well, I mean, we're well, well, not going to have to wait very long to find out, but... Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think a lot of us are treading lightly as the matches come one at a time. See what happens. I think that when we do our predictions on Monday for this match, no one's really going to be thrown out four nothing, five one, three nothing. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot tighter. Uh, from those people so um, with that being said I guess we just want to wrap this up guys Uh, again Naz thanks so much for jumping on the pod always a pleasure to chat with you it's great thanks for having me on anytime anytime will do Um, Nick obviously the big news coming out probably the day everyone is listening to this on Monday morning Champions League draw Yep. Uh, so we were there on on Tuesday as Chelsea uh, drew against Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, a win would have taken Chelsea first in the group, uh, but as they finished second in the group and Roma finished first, uh, the quarterfinal draw for Chelsea is essentially between three teams, which are Besiktas from Turkey, 
Barcelona and PSG. Um, so these are this is a loaded draw. I mean, obviously Chelsea would prefer to get Besiktas, but I don't think the uh, the UEFA draw will be that friendly <laughs> to Chelsea Naz. Uh, so I think you're probably looking at Barcelona or PSG, and and that's going to be a really tough round of sixteen. Yeah, some some statisticians uh, online has worked out the uh, probability of draw because uh, it's not quite a 33% split because uh, Barcelona can't draw a Spanish team so um, and a lot of Spanish teams finish second so it's uh, it's given Chelsea a slight uh, edge towards Barcelona which could be very tough. Um, I think a lot of fans as well who uh, are a bit fed up of facing PSG, of course Chelsea have uh, played them three times in recent years and been knocked out twice by them in those three uh, knockout stage occasions so uh, yeah I think that and PSG have got better as well of course since those moments so uh, I think that I think it could be tough but even Besiktas were the surprise package of, of the round so you're going to get someone tough and Chelsea can beat anyone on the day but I just think you know uh, it would have been slightly easier if they did top their group that day against Atletico Madrid and they should have topped their group because uh, they had enough chances to win it's true we can vouch for that we were there Um, All right, Chelsea fans well thanks so much for joining us hopefully this helped you kind of get through the West Ham Uh, obviously we're not going to be able to solve all the problems but hopefully we can help keep the discussion going like I said we threw out a lot of questions today so we definitely want to hear from you all you know how to get in touch with us uh, but you're not going to have to wait long for the next one and until then Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high if you don't want the conversation to stop Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.